You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. I feel like we need to celebrate his mom and dad just as much. Go homeschool. I love it. So cool. All right, so um, we're going to play a little game. You guys okay with that? All right, so there's going to be uh, participation needed, all right? So you're going to have to, I know that some of you are coming in here, we might have some Baptists in here, but you're going to have to use your voice and your hands, okay? Um, so uh, here's the question. What do you like more? So I'm going to give you two things, and you've got to cheer for the thing you like more, okay? So the two things, baked goods or ice cream, all right? So what do you like more? Baked goods? Or ice cream. Let's go. I'm an ice cream man. All right. uh, Next two things. Uh, Chocolate, chocolate based stuff or fruity candy. So that would be like uh, Sour Patch Kids, Skittles, Twizzlers, those kind of things. So chocolate or uh, fruity based. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Chocolate, fruity candies. All right, ready? Chocolate. Fruity candies. Oh, interesting. I'm a fruity candy guy. Um, so I, I tend to find that more females like chocolate, but I feel like that was a pretty well-rounded chocolate group. All right. Last one, um, tacos or pizza? You can only pick one. <laughs> okay. Tacos? Okay. Pizza? All right. Yay, Italians. All right. So, um... What do you love? What do you love? I'm not going to give you options here. I'm, I'm just going to say one thing, and you're going to yell out if you love it. Okay? Just one thing. I'm just going to say it, and you just make noise if, if it's something that you love. Men, I'm going to softball toss this one to you. I'm preparing you. I want you to make some noise if you love your spouse. All right, man, I, I just like went like this to you. could have stood up. You could have spun around. I mean, there's a lot of things that could have happened in that moment. Um, all right, parents, I'm going to tee you up here. Make noise if you love your kids. Again, I was thinking a little more charisma in that, but all right. All right, make some noise if you love your neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself is the text today. What about if you love your church? There should be a major difference between the things that we like and the things that we love. I mean, it should really be very polarizing because often we tend to spend a lot of uh, time, effort, energy merely on the things that we like. And then it sucks all of our time, attention, and energy from the things that we actually truly love. But that's not the way it should be. We, we shouldn't spend our time focused all on the things that we just merely like and then remove all of our time, intentionality, and investment in the things that we love. That shift from like to love should be huge. What you love should get more of you than what you like. 
This is the idea of treasuring something. When something truly is your treasure, we invest our time, we're intentional, and we invest our money in it. So if you love fitness, then you spend your time and you're intentional with it and, and you put your money there. If you love vacations, then you, you, you see that, that you spend your time and attention and money to it. If you love your spouse and your kids, then it gets your time, your intentionality, your money. I mean, just check out your Amazon cart. Let's see what we love by how much stuff we buy. And when our affections, our heart, the things that we treasure, when they're unsettled or they're distracted, we begin to pull away. We begin to take our time and our talents and our resources, and we begin to remove them from the thing that we are called to love because we're unsettled or we're distracted. Now, in this series, we're going through this series called King and Kingdom. And the idea here is that we're called and invited to love, to treasure our king and enjoy the kingdom that he has called us to enjoy. That's why we're in this series. We started in Psalms. Last week, we went to Obadiah. And now we're in Matthew because we're looking at what does it look like to have a king and be a part of his kingdom. Not the kingdom that we project it should be, but the kingdom that actually is. His kingdom. And if Jesus is our treasure, our heart should be fully invested with everything that his heart is fully invested in. And guess what? His heart is fully invested in his church, his family. How do I know that? Because he left eternity for us, the people of God, for us to come together. But, but there's a problem because we don't see church as a family. That's culturally, so this, this Western American church context that we find ourselves in, we don't necessarily see it as a family. We see it more as an event, a place to come to when it's convenient, but we're truly not seeing it as God sees it, as he is filtering it, as his family. We see it actually more like a Costco membership. When you think, I mean, how many of you have a Costco membership? Okay, so, so we go to Costco when we want something. We go and get what we want. Agreed? That's, that, that's what we do with a Costco membership. We go and we get the things that we want. Um, if you're shopping for your wife, she gives you a list. Hopefully she gives you pictures so you don't mess it up, right? And so like, you, you get and you go and you get what you want. Sometimes you even get something unexpected, right? Something's on sale. You take a little sample and you're like, that's good, right? And so then you, then you partake, you buy, you get. And then sometimes you're, you leave disappointed, because you've been eating the same 12-grain bread for like five years, and then all of a sudden, they stop carrying that brand. You're like, oh. and, then, and then what do you do? You go over to the manager, and you make it known. Because you're unsettled, right? And then sometimes you even like, I'm never going back there. Until the next time you need something, and then you go back there. And often, we treat church very similarly. 
We just go because there's something we like, there's something we want to get. Sometimes we leave with something very unexpected. And then sometimes when we don't get what we want, then we take our ball and we go home. That is not how God calls us, invites us to participate in his church, to be a part of his family. This can't be the posture we have towards the king's family, the church, his kingdom that he is building. So what should it be? Well, Acts 2, 42 through 47, I think, gives us a glimpse of what the church is intended to look like. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there, or it's going to be up on the screen. This is not our main text today, but I think this sets the stage for where we're headed today. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. At that time, Paul, Peter, James, John, they were going around teaching, and they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were teaching how the Old Testament connected with Jesus, and so that is the apostles' teaching that we have as known as the New Testament. And the fellowship, caring for one another, breaking bread with one another, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now here's the question. Is this your church experience? Is this the church that you are experiencing? And if the answer is no, then I need you to know this. And I say this with a tender heart. It's partially your fault. And here's why. Look at the language that's used in this passage of Scripture. They, all the people. It's not saying the leaders or the pastors devoted themselves and had people in their home and that they were generous. It said all of them. Every person that was a part of this family participated in these things. It says they were having people in their homes. That's all. Not just specific community group leaders or, or deacons. All the people were having people in their homes who were being hospitable. They were giving generously and they were receiving generously. And the outcome of this of this type of people who truly loved each other and knew each other, the outcome was that more and more were added to their number. More people were coming because of how they were loved and how they were known, how they belonged in family with one another. This wasn't an exclusive club this wasn't, hey, we've got this tight-knit group of people and we're just going to stay here because we like this and we're comfortable here. None of this seemed comfortable, by the way. Did anybody read that and go, whew, that seems intense. I mean, this wasn't like, that, like they were like super, like this took sacrifice for them to be the type of people and the type of kingdom that God wanted them to be here on earth, although imperfect, 
although they were failures and they were mess-ups, and we read a lot of that in the New Testament, by the way, of all those mess-ups that they had. And the constant steering that the apostles were giving them to say, hey, hey, let's get back in order here. But they were a people that were devoted to their king. And they were building his kingdom. And so we are the church. And we are called to treasure the king and his kingdom above all else. So just for us to take a quick breather, I don't want you to get like all riled up and like begin to check out because this, this seems like unattainable sometimes. Um, because I want you to know my heart. Like I, I want nothing from you. My desire is that you would experience all that God has for you as you begin to treasure him as your king and participate and be a part of his kingdom. That's my greatest desire. Like I want you to experience God in a fresh, new way. And I think sometimes we can look back at times in our lives where we've, we've experienced some of this and we try to just replicate that. And I need you to know God is not a replicator. He's a creator. And so God wants to create something fresh and new not only for you, but for this community as a whole. We know that only between 4 and 6% of the local population here in a five-mile radius around this space, that they'll attend church on a given Sunday. Only 4 to 6%. That's a big deal. That means somewhere around 95% of people are disinterested in participating in the life of the family. And you know why? Because the family's not living like this. They're living more like they're an exclusive club having a Costco membership where they get what they want as opposed to people who are pouring their lives into one another. And so part of that, part of being and participating in the kingdom is how you relate and participate in God's family. And so Matthew 9, 9, 19, or I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 19 through 24 it speaks into this with the analogy of treasure. What do we treasure? So here's the context. Jesus is speaking, and he's delivering something that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. This is really his first public appearance where he is, is getting up and he is teaching. And he's using the Old Testament and things that they knew of in the Old Testament, and he's teaching them how to be the kingdom together, how we can experience the church that he has called us to be. And so he sandwiches this passage of, of treasuring Jesus above all else, treasuring God above all else. He sandwiches that between prayer, fasting, and anxiety. And I don't think that that's a, a coincidence. That he speaks to the people about being a people of praying. That they would be devoted to praying to God. And that they would fast. They would withhold from themselves things that are stealing their affections from God and devote that time to focus on him. Specifically in the context of food. They would withhold food and then they would take that time and devote it to praying and seeking the face of the Lord. And then he goes into this idea of treasuring. Treasuring God above all else. To then end up in don't be anxious about today. And I think if we're lacking in prayer and fasting and treasuring God above all else, guess what? I know that that leads, personally, I know that that leads to anxiety. When I take my focus off the king and his kingdom and I put it on my own circumstances and my own kingdom. 
that leads me to treasuring circumstance over God. And so, he comes in with this in verse 19. And he speaks about how we, I, am created to treasure. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I am created to treasure. That's how God created humanity. To treasure him above all else. I mean, we were created to worship and treasure the king. I mean, we're the only species, by the way, that actually have this ability to treasure and worship the king. He created us very specifically for a specific purpose. God made humans in his image so that we would reflect him to the whole world. There's an intentional interaction that we are to have between us and the God of heaven, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There's an intentional interaction that we're meant to have, and that intentional interaction is called worship. It's called treasuring God. It's, it's this relationship that God has intended for man to have with him. And if we do not worship the God of heaven, we will worship something else. Because at the core of us, we were created to worship. If we don't worship God, we will worship something. That's inevitable. And if you're anything like me, you, you do. You begin to worship the things that are around you. That's what Romans 1 is all about. We began to worship the creation rather than the creator. We have a bent in our flesh to, to worship the things of this world. But that's not how we were created. We were created to worship God. So I want you to think about, I know that sports analogies don't hit everybody in the room, but I want you to think about, for those that like sports, um, think about like the best game you have ever been a part of. Whether you were playing that sport and you were a part of the game and like you won the championship or you were just watching it and your team was playing. I want you to think of the emotions that you felt. What were you doing at that time where, where that grand slam was hit in the bottom of the ninth or the touchdown was scored or the ball went through the uprights or, or that ball went through the hoop? Like I want you to think about those emotions, those feelings that you felt in those moments. Was there yelling? Was there cheering? Was there, was there like your heart was racing? Like I want you to think, have, maybe you're not the sports person, but have you watched somebody do that? Maybe it's a spouse. In our home, it's my wife, not me. Like she's the one on the couch jumping up and screaming. And I'm like, it's a ball. You just put in a hoop. I can go do that. You don't cheer for me like that. That's <laughs> true. Um, but... Think about those emotions and those feelings and how you got riled up in that moment with excitement. Have you felt that in the presence of God? Have you felt that in the context of, of the gathered people of God? That same heart racing and the same yelling, like uh, uncontrollable screams and shouts. 
I mean, sometimes our perspective is a little off because the king of kings made the mountains and he made those humans that are scoring those points. And we're just merely watching them use the talents that God created them to use. But we tend to worship the creation rather than the creator. I'm created to treasure I love, and I use this quote often, but it's such a good quote because it really puts into perspective what I just said. But it's C.S. Lewis, author, writer, and he says, why do we do this? Well, it seems like, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants us to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. And where does he get that from? Scripture, when it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Often, we worship the creation because we don't even know what it means to engage with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and participate in his kingdom. God created me. He created you to treasure him. But the things that we treasure, they, they begin to create in us light or darkness. Treasure creates light or darkness. Look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if our eye is healthy, our whole body will be full of light. But if our eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Here's an analogy that Jesus is, is putting forth, talking about eyes, the eyes, the gateway to our soul. Our eyes impact our perspective. I mean, Eyes are the front door to lust and to all the things that, that come down um, the path where we just crave and go after and begin to treasure above God. Our eyes can lead us to darkness, which leads to our destruction. It's, it's very similar to this. James, would you stand up for a sec? So um, if, if James is looking at me and we're having a catch and his eyes are on me, right, there's light in this room that's bouncing around that's causing him to be able to see what's coming at him. So I'm going to throw it. He's going to catch it. How did he do that? Because he saw what was coming. All right, throw it back. All right, now I want you to close your eyes. Okay? All right, give him a hand. Give James a hand. I could have, I, I could have thrown that at any point. He wouldn't have known. Why? Because his eyes were shut. And because there was darkness. And that darkness could lead to destruction. Now, he's a boxer, so he can take a hit, right? That's why I asked him to do it and not Lewis. But, um, but here's the deal. Often, we go through life allowing darkness to flood our hearts and our minds. And then we wonder why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. And often, when we're choosing our sin over the things that God has for us, when we're choosing darkness over light, Often, when the repercussions of that sin begin to unravel, you know what we do? 
we go, why, God, why are you doing this to me? When we've had a hundred decisions that have led to that place. What we treasure creates light or darkness. And our selfish personal preference will lead to darkness, causing us to pull away from the king and his kingdom. I mean, let's just talk about the American church for a second. The the transience that the American church faces of people kind of moseying in, moseying out, coming in, coming out, whenever is convenient, when when busyness is not too heavy. Um, How we pick our church usually is based off of style and sound and buildings and space usage and the staff that those churches have. And I need us to understand that those things are very fluid. Those things will change. Like, like there'll be one time where you're like super excited about how a church is doing one thing, and then that initiative or that, that thing will lose steam or, or excitement, and then it'll change. And you're like, well, I came here for this. And now it's not this anymore, so now what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my ball and go home. Because what, what I preferred is no longer. So what should be concrete then? Well, what should be concrete is theology, doctrine, the word of God, how we love one another and participate in the family and the kingdom together. Those things should be concrete. But we tend to put way more weight on our preference than we do on God's word and what he says it should be. And if you make the decision to not fully participate in the church, in God's family, because of your preference or your busyness or because there was somebody in your life that was a part of a church that hurt you, and I am so sorry that that happened. And I hate that that happened to you. But if we tend to pull all of our affections away from God's family because of those things, that's sin. If your decision to participate in the life of FMCC has anything to do with me, whether positive or negative, then you've taken your affections and your your perspective and put it on me and not God. I will let you down. And guess what? You can look around the room, look around you, turn your head around. The people next to you will let you down because they're sinners. We are a hospital for the sick, called by God to join together on a mission to love God above all else, to love one another, and to make disciples. And we're going to fail at that. We're going to do it imperfectly, but that doesn't change what God has called us to participate in as long as the word of God is the foundation of all of those things. And so... When we begin, and that's just, that's just one example. I'm just talking about the church as one example because there's a, there's a million others. We can talk about um, our work being our treasure. We can talk about our hobbies being our treasure. We can talk about a lot of things. But for us as the gathered family of God, we have to realize that he's called us to something very specific. And you know what that's to? That's to be a beacon of hope for a lost and dying world. My hope is that the 5% that would attend church this Sunday are going to a church that is preaching the gospel and the word of God. That's my hope and that's my prayer. That's why Miguel 
He's praying for other churches in our area. That's why we pray for Summit and we pray uh, for Crossroads and we pray for different churches in our area. Uh, New Hope, like why? Because we want the gospel to go forth in our community. We can't do it alone. We need to link arms and partners with other gospel-centered churches. We have to do that. So we're not going after 5% of the population that's plugged into a a body that loves Jesus. There are 95% of people that are not getting repeated opportunities to hear, see, and respond to the gospel. And so we must link arms to go share the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as our treasure with every man, woman, and child we come in contact with. Because eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. Your involvement, you learning how to love and care and nurture and be discipled with those around you is crucial to the mission and the vision. Because community breeds discipleship, which then breeds people going out and making disciples. Again, this isn't an inclusive club or an exclusive club where we're just going to just all come together and just stay here. No, we're called to go out. In your going, make disciples. And so what we treasure can create in us either darkness or light. And here's why. I can only treasure one king. That's all I'm capable of. I would like to think I'm a good multitasker, but you could probably, after the service, go pulse my wife. I'm not very good at it. I may think I am. I may try. But if I'm not focused on something, it doesn't, doesn't go well. Why? Because I, I can only have one king. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he, either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I treasure a lot of worldly things, and I confess those often. I use this kind of as a platform for confession. Um, thank you for being my priests. Um, but I submit that all of those things that I treasure or begin to treasure or that begin to take my affections away from God, they boil down to one ultimate treasure. Me. Like all the things that I give myself to and I begin to treasure, I mean, those are things that just end up treasuring me or building me up. I become the ultimate treasure. I mean, the example here is money. And, and I, I agree that money can have a, a stronghold in many of our lives, and it does. Um, we can use money to manipulate and get others to do what we want. And if we're doing that, stop it. Like, that's sin. Like, we don't want to take our money and use it as a tool to get our way. And, and money can often be used that way, and money can also be the thing that feeds us treasuring ourselves. That's how, at least, I, I've tended to use my money in my life, is, is, to, is to make me the treasure. And so, so, yes, that's what we're talking about specifically here. But I want us to look at the word devoted, because the word devoted in verse 24, where he will be devoted to one and despise the other, talking about two masters and, and, and two different kings, it's the same idea as we see in Acts 2 where they devoted themselves to God's word, caring for another, one another, breaking bread and prayer. That word devoted is the same. It was their affections, their heart, their time, their talent, their abilities, their resources were being used to build the kingdom. And verse 24 helps us see that we cannot be devoted to God and also the things of this world. It's impossible. 
So I'm created to treasure. Treasure creates light or darkness, but I can only treasure one king. So how do we respond to this? As we're looking at this, as we're seeing this big picture of king and kingdom, how do we respond? Well, first, we treasure the king alone. And second, we build his kingdom. It's a charge. It's a refocus. It's a new perspective that we treasure the king and we build his kingdom. So first off, treasuring the king. God is after your heart. Students, students, you looking at me? God wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you. And I know often, because I feel like I wasn't there not long ago. It's been a while, but, but I remember sitting in church with my family and thinking that this stuff applied to everybody but me. But God wants you. He doesn't want your morality or your religion. He wants you. He wants a personal, intimate, interactive relationship with you. When, when we're singing songs, he wants to hear your voice. When, when we're serving the community, he wants you to serve with your heart. He doesn't want you to do it begrudgingly. He doesn't want you to do it because your parents said do it and you, you're hoping to get ice cream later. He wants your heart. Parents, adults, God is after your heart because he wants you to treasure the king. He wants you to treasure him. And in, in 2 Corinthians 3.14, it says, Their minds were hardened and the veil remained unlifted because it was only through Christ that that veil and that hardness is taken away. And so know that the leadership of our church is praying constantly that God would lift the veil of our hearts and our eyes and soften our hearts so that we would treasure the king above all. If you leave here with nothing else today, please know that there is nothing in this world that will satisfy you and that the king needs, must be your treasure. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And then use your time, talent, and resources to build his kingdom. You know, I think often um, churches, um, or you could have this feeling that like churches are always after my stuff. I think that sometimes people come into church thinking, uh, I grew up uh, in a Catholic neighborhood. It was like half Catholic, half Jewish. It was New York, Long Island. Um, and and I, I remember um, growing up in this environment where it was always about money. And that's not the case. We already took the offering, all right? So you could breathe a sigh of relief. Um, no, no, no. It's about your heart, and, and God is after our heart and what we treasure. But I want to share a piece of my story um, because we often, I, I, I don't share this often, um, but I, God has done a huge work in my own heart in treasuring him above all else and, and, and trusting him um, and using the time and the abilities and the talents and the resources that our family has had for his kingdom. And I just want to share a little bit about how this kind of come to be, has come to be. And so um, over nine years ago, our family started praying about seeing a new work form here in Southwest Florida. And, and so we were praying with our church. Our, 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 the church I was on staff at was Summit Church in Estero. Um, and I loved being on staff there. And I loved, I helped them uh, start their Naples campus and their Gateway campus. And, and then we were praying about starting a new work because there were churches that were needed, gospel center churches here in Fort Myers and in Benita and other places. And so we started praying about Fort Myers. 
And in order for us to come out here and see a new work formed, the vision that God had given the elders at Summit and our family was to actually step off of staff to go get a job and then to start having our neighbors in our home. That was the, the vision at that time. And so we did. And so uh, it was scary. Uh, I remember the conversations of us leading up to that point where we, were, we had a great job at a great church that we loved being at. And about a few years into that doing that, um, I was very anxious. I was scared. Often felt alone. Um, there were moments where we were looking at our family and our bank account and there was almost nothing in it because we were fully dependent on my job as a real estate agent, um, selling residential real estate and, and not getting paid from the church. And so we were, we were serving and we were fearful in those moments and in those days about what God was going to do. But what we knew is that God called us to something that we wanted to see a church form in this area that loved God, loved others, and made disciples. And I sat down with a buddy of mine at Starbucks, Daniels in 75. His name is Mike Opadal. And he came in and he said, hey man, this is really weird. I know this sounds weird. He's like, but I feel like God gave me a word for you this morning. He's like, can I share it with you? He's like, sure. I, I kind of I need it. Because at that point, I was uns unsure about what God was calling us to do where we were going to go, what we were going to do as a church. We had a, a couple of houses meeting and different communities meeting. And, um, and I forget the, like, the one word that he gave me. It was like a singular word. Um, but then he read a verse to me. And it was Malachi 3.10. And he read it out of the NLT, and that's what I'm going to read it out of. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it all in. Try it. Put me to the test. And for me in that moment, that word was so needed because I was doubting what God wanted to do. And it wasn't short, shortly after that time and my timeline, my, my years might be a little off, but it was shortly after that time that we had the opportunity to buy this building from our sister church that was next door. They were going to hold the mortgage with a no interest loan with payments that we could afford that they just made up. And we brought that before our church and we said, hey, this is an opportunity that God has given us to do this. And we said, okay. And so we rallied together and we bought this building from Redeemer Church. And that was the biggest God story I could have ever have thought of writing. It was a $1.2 million building. We raised $100,000. They gave us a no interest loan for 18 years at $3,000 a month payments. Um, and I was like, God, man, biggest God story ever. And then fast forward almost a year. And that church decided that they wanted to leave a legacy. Faithful brothers and sisters that were looking at what God was doing here at FMCC and they said, we want to give you our building and our land. And by doing so, we're going to shut down our 501c3, which then effectively dissolves the mortgage 
on the property that you have. I looked back at Malachi 3.10 and how God just opened up the floodgates of heaven because a brother came to me and encouraged my heart and God had surrounded us with faithful leaders and people and is still doing that. God has, has raised up an advisory team right now that is loving me so well and loving this church so well. We're seeing uh, over 30 men gather to, to talk about leadership development and what does it look like to be deacons and elders within the life of our church and in the community. God is doing something that we can't describe. And it's only because we're looking at this going, I only have one treasure. I can only have one treasure and that's the king. And as soon as our eyes are taken off that, this all goes away. And he wants to do a work in your life and in your heart. And I don't know what those things are. That was what God called us to. But I don't know what God's calling to you right now to do, to put your time, your talents, your resources, your energy, your efforts, your intentionality. I don't know what that is, but I would love to help figure that out and help you figure that out. Because there's a lost and dying world that surrounds this place. This is merely just a building. We are the people of God. We are the church. And there's so many people around us that need to know that there is a king who loves them and wants a relationship with them. And you may be here for the first time and you may be like, man, I, I wanna be a part of that, but also I need to know who this king is. And we would love to be on that journey with you as you learn who this king is and what he's done for you. My hope is that we leave here today. We look at this passage on how Jesus is exhorting this group of people and that we receive this idea that we will treasure the king alone and build his kingdom. Can I pray for us? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the story that you're writing. Even just sharing that now, Lord, it just, it humbles me because I know that that it was only in my faults and my failures and my missteps that you've even allowed any of this to take place. Thank you for the faithfulness of brothers and sisters that have linked arms to continue to, to build your kingdom here in Southwest Florida. God, thank you for faithful church partners like Summit who have poured into us time and time again. Thank you for the leaders that you have brought over the last eight or nine years and how you have created a culture of people who love one another so well. God, thank you that you've provided resources to, to fix up and steward the gifts that you have given us on this property. But I do pray, Lord, that this property would not be the focus, that your people would be the focus, that we would treasure each other, the family that you've called us to, and that, and that we would see our community as a field that is white for harvest. We know that the laborers are few, but that has never stopped you, Lord. 
God, we live in a really tough society, in a tough world. It seems like every day there's another story on the news that makes me wonder if we all just need to leave and go to a different country. If that's not the case, Lord, you have placed us here. You have placed us in Southwest Florida for a reason. And that reason is that we would be a beacon of hope. A gospel-centered, Jesus-centered, God-glorifying, spirit-led people that would go out into this community fully loving you, loving others, and making disciples. God, I pray that we would treasure you as our king. That treasuring you would overflow from our hearts and our minds and into one another. Thank you, Lord, for the story that you have written for our church. And I'm super excited, Lord, to see what the next eight years is going to look like for your name and for your glory. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.